when I study the Bible, I read it and read it and read it. It's the discovery, the excitement of discovering what's in there that, that keeps me going back. Welcome to Working with the Word, a weekly podcast designed to equip you with the skills and confidence for deeper daily Bible study. I'm Jeff O'Rear. And I'm Emerson Brown. Thank you for tuning in to the 40th episode of Working with the Word. We're glad to release this episode for you all from an interview we did a few weeks ago with Jeff Archer. It was an insightful discussion, as all of our interviews have been, particularly about Bible reading and Bible study. We are confident that you will feel equipped and encouraged to get in God's Word from listening to today's episode. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff O'Rear with Working with the Word, today with a very special interview with Brother Jeff Archer. I'm glad to have Jeff with us today. We are actually in the same location due to some technical things. Jeff and I are separated by rooms, but I'm glad to have Jeff with us in Longview doing a gospel meeting, some studies from Daniel for us, and Emerson's able to join in through Zoom today as well. Today, we'll be talking about how to study the Bible and some wisdom and thoughts about all of that. I'm glad to have Jeff with us today. Jeff Archer has been preaching for about 41 years, the past 16 of those at the Jordan Park Church of Christ in Huntsville, Alabama. He and his wife Martha have two sons and two grandsons. A particular note related to our program, Jeff has a workbook called How to Study the Bible that's put out through One Stone Biblical Resource that we believe would be a helpful addition for anyone in our audience to build up or brush up on their Bible study skills. If you'd like to find out more about that. We'll have stuff about that in our show notes as we release this episode. I'm grateful for Jeff's work and for his time and wisdom that he's sharing with us today. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us. Well, it's good to be here. I appreciate uh, the opportunity to talk about the Bible anytime I have an opportunity, and especially some of the basics on how to study the Bible so that it's not just a dry book that sits on the shelf, but is alive and is live in us. Amen. So I appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. So we usually start with a, a why question. And one of the most basic ones, this, is, this was a, a question we, we ask pretty much anyone that we talk to. Why do you think it's important to study the Bible? And we ask this not just as you, know, as, you as a preacher, but as a Christian. Like why, why do you think it's important for all Christians to study the Bible? Wow, that's a huge question because the Bible is, is so multifaceted. It does so many things for us. It's a, it's a daily meal for us. It's sustenance for us. It's nourishment for our souls. We need it like we need uh, bread, physical bread. And so uh, I think that's an aspect God has blessed us with his word that it does that. It is it's a light to our path. It gives us direction and purpose in our lives. It helps us in, in so many ways. I, one, one of the things that jumps out to me, and, and I'm just going to open my Bible here to the book of Ephesians chapter four, because Paul is looking at the big picture of how God has worked through history to bring about salvation for us. Mm-hmm. And he, in that discussion, um, I think 
goes to the heart of, of why God has done it. Obviously, it's for the salvation of our souls, but in, in chapter 4, and I'm thinking, uh, starting verse 11 or so, he talks about the apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. All of those roles have one thing in common, and that is the, the transmission of or the, uh, the teaching of the Word of God and helping people to, and specifically says in verse 12, for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God, to a perfect or a mature, a full-grown man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We can be like Jesus, character-wise. Uh, we can be like Jesus in in who we become, which is uh, an impossible task to fully become that. But but I think that's God's intent. He, he wants us to grow up. He wants us to, to be born again, yes, but born again and then live and grow and become more, have more substance in our character to become more mature, full grown. And, and the Bible helps us with that. The Bible is the, the seed that grows within us to help us to be who God wants us to be. So to answer, answer the question of the, why study the Bible, it's part of the process of, of, of being the child that, that God wants us to be. That we've talked on this program before about how when we, when we study God's word, how we need to sometimes reorient our thinking potentially, and that Bible study is going to be something we do need to actually work at there may be times that there are some difficulties or just realizing that it takes effort and we might think to ourselves you know why didn't god just give us all the information why, why make us grow through that process instead of just making us full-grown adults as soon as we become christians so why you know, just a simple question to if you can just put yourself in the mind of god right why wow. did god right. write the bible the way that he did so that we need to work to understand it right well to put myself in the mind of God is absolutely impossible, but <laughs> to, in my feebleness, to make an attempt to understand uh, what he has helped us to understand. I, I, I guess, you know, you could go to a store and you could buy a doll that says repeatedly, I love you, dad. I love you, dad. And that'd be real nice, you know, but uh, parents, you know, when two people get married, they don't go to the store and buy a doll. Usually uh, they have a child mm -hmm. and they have a child who has the potential of rejecting them, turning their back and walking away from them. But they also have a child who has the potential of loving them and developing a relationship. And I believe that's why God made us the way that he did and gave us his word as he did, uh, because he wants a relationship. He, he wants to share with us in existence. So I, I think that's why God has given us his word so that we can, we can not, and, and written in the way that he did, he did, he didn't just give us a checklist of do this, 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 and this, because he, he wants it to be an interactive relationship that we have with him. It's part of growing up and appreciating and becoming more and more like him. Yeah, one of the amazing things about the Bible is there is so much variety in it of, of 
genres, of kinds of writings, of styles, and even, you know, the personalities of, of the writers themselves. And I think that adds to the challenge of trying to understand it all. How do you think that relates to this relationship that God wants to have with us? Well, there are different types of uh, biblical literature. For example, you have the historical narrative that you find a lot in the Old Testament, going through Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st, 2nd Samuel, uh, even in the New Testament with the book of Acts being more historical narrative. But it, it is helpful, that style of writing, for us to come in contact with other people, real people who've lived lives, and we can learn by their attitudes and their actions. So it is, it is a genre of communication that God uses. But then other ways that God communicates, like when Paul writes the letter to the Ephesians, it's not a historical narrative. It's more of a teaching of uh, here is a set of beliefs that I want you to understand and take hold of. And that is a type of communication that is a variation but communicates in a different way of, of who we are and, and our relationship and the blessings that God has, has given to us. So it is fascinating, the variation of biblical text, of types of writing that we have, but each one has its role in emphasizing different aspects of that relationship. One thing we, that you've done and we mentioned in your introduction was you written this workbook of how to study the Bible, particularly focusing on uh, what some people might call the inductive study method. Some people might just call it OIA. You observe, you interpret, and then you look to apply. Why is it that you think that this study approach is helpful when it comes to our study of the Bible? And can you share some examples of maybe each of those steps in action? Well, when I came up with this idea well, I say I come up with the idea <laughs> when I was learning to study the Bible myself and finding aids, I was kind of drawn to this. Uh, I, I guess if I could back up just, just a little bit growing up, I, I was never a good reader. I struggled with reading, struggled with comprehension of the text. And it wasn't until, you know, high school and beyond that I really started to read a, a little bit uh, with more comprehension, a little bit better. What I, I had to learn how to read, rather than just looking at the words, I had to look at the structure of the words. I had to look at repetition and contrast and progression in the text. I had to see how the text was constructed and the, the meaning of the words and the ideas, how they were related to one another. Uh, I had to begin to ask questions as I went through the text of who, what, when, where, and why. And as I go through the text, particularly in the biblical text of um, what does God want me to learn about my attitudes or my actions or my belief system in that uh, all of that was simply to slow down enough to not just look at the words, but but to grasp the words. And so that difficulty I had as a child reading has really, really kind of became a blessing to help me to slow down and look at what was there. 
And so this inductive Bible reading uh, was kind of a natural extension of trying to learn how to look at the words and, and see what was there. And I was first introduced to this uh, when I was in college. Farrell Jenkins was, was teaching a class on how to teach the Bible. But he said, before I teach you how to teach it, I really need to talk about how to understand it yourself first. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so he introduced this um, how to study the Bible. And I remember one of the first assignments was, he said, I want you to take the book of Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And I want you to read it and read it and read it for, I don't remember what he said, whether it's a half an hour or 45 minutes. He said, don't look at any other text. Just look at that text and get a piece of paper and reconstruct it with a pencil, colored pencils, if you want, whatever. And so actually I've got it here. I know you can't see it on the podcast, but uh, it is my trying to understand this, uh, this, this text. And what was amazing to me as, as I went through this exercise of reading the same verses for half hour, 45 minutes, is that every time I read it, I noticed something different. Mm -hmm. I noticed a new connection. I noticed a new progression of thought that I hadn't seen before. It, reading anything, whether literature or any kind of literature, including the Bible, is not a function of reading at one time and having it all. It's a function of reading it and reading it and reading it and seeing the, how it's put together and, and how the author is, is moving you from one place to another, how he gets you there. And, uh, it's, it's a fascinating, fascinating process. And I've, I've loved that ever since. Uh, when, I, when I study the Bible, I read it and read it and read it and read it, the same text. And it's the discovery, the excitement of discovering what's in there. That, that keeps me going back. Mm -hmm. So I, I guess that's kind of the, where the beginning of coming up with this, uh, with the book, which is just an organization of those things that I wrote uh, years ago for a high school class when I was trying to help them to, uh, in their own spiritual growth, just a basic way of just looking at the text. So what are some examples of, I mean, you mentioned Ephesians 2 and how that, that passage kind of was the basis for you first learning how to do that. Can you give us some, some other examples of, of how, this, how this actually works? How does observation, interpretation, application help us understand specific passages? Well, uh, let's take, for example, the book of Genesis chapter 1. Go back just to the beginning to the basics reading through genesis chapter one is has been fascinating to me because as you read through the text you observe things you observe repetition like for example it over and over it says then god said on the first day and then god said then God said, then God said, then God said, and it was good, and it was good, and it was good. Uh, it, this many phrases, many words are just used over and over again, and it's on purpose. It, that, you know, the whole process of 
of the Holy Spirit writing this book that we might understand is a fascinating process because there are literally millions and billions of things that God could have told us. But he specifically told us these things because he wants to impart some particular knowledge. He wants us to change in some particular way. So you look at this repetition of uh, God said, God said, and it was good, it was good. That's just an observation. That's just what the, what the text says. But what does that mean that God said? Well, you have to begin to use your inferences there that, well, it means that that God is extremely powerful. If, mm-hmm. if, if God said, and it happened, he's extremely powerful and it was good. Well, it implies that God is wise, that the power that the creation that he made was not done multiple times, making corrections along the way. He just said it, it was, and it was good. The implications that the meaning of that is, is, um, is deep, profound, and and then moving into, well, what does it mean? What, what does it mean to me? I'm a part of the creation of, of God because later in the text it says that I was made in his image. And it means that, that that's the God that I serve, this powerful, this wise God. It's the, it, it defines for me who God is and, and helps me than to know who I am. So uh, that would be an example. Or uh, it, in the in the same same book, we, we I just mentioned the repetition of ideas. Uh, there's also contrast within this. You have the creation of the various animal life as well as the plant life, and then when it comes to the humans, there's a, quite a contrast when it says that let us make him in our image after our likeness. He doesn't say that about the other uh, creation of God. So, well, what does that mean? What what does it mean that he created us in his image? And what does it mean that he did not, the contrast, that he did not do that to the other other parts of the creation? Um, What does that mean to me, that this contrast? And it is... uh, well, it's life-changing to, to come to that understanding. And so you not only have repetition, you have contrast, but you also have progression of thought. You have progression in uh, day one, day two, day three, day four, simple progression of the, uh, of the numbers. You have progression of, of the, there's a, every time God created something, it made it possible for him to create the next stage because that previous stage was, a necessary foundation for this next stage to be there. So there's the progression. And then you have the climax, which I think is the creation of man because it's in his image. But then there's also the climax of the days because it's day one, two, three, four, five, six, and it's seven, he rests. So there's kind of a multiple climax of progression within the, within the text. Uh, so I, that would be a practical application of this, of the, of the process of observation, interpretation, and application. Yeah, it's so helpful to see those just in action. And like, like you're talking about, those are things that you read it one time, you might notice the repetition of then God said, or maybe it was good. But you read it 
several more times, you're going to notice more repetitions. You're going to notice so much more. And I think one of the things we uh, often think in, in Bible reading or Bible study is I've read it one time. And so my job is done. <laughs> and that's not, that's, that's not really the way it, it works. Well, it, it can't be. We're, we're not that bright. <laughs> at least, <laughs> at least I'm, I'm not, I need to read it over and over again. And, and, you know, we've been, uh, been talking about the book of Daniel in this gospel meeting and several people have come up afterwards saying, you know, I, I, I never noticed that about, uh, about the text before. And so that's always this, uh, the discovery mm-hmm. as we're studying New, the Bible, discovering new things. But there's also, for me at least, particularly at my age, at now 61, almost 62, I'm learning things again for the first time. <laughs> because, you know, I might have learned them at one point, but I don't have it all in the catalog like a computer where I could just go to it. I, yeah. I have to relearn it and relearn it. And even if I, well, yeah, I already knew that, but I just enjoy the reaffirmation mm-hmm. of having the same truths emphasized again and again. So you're right. It's, you can't just read it once and you're done. It's a, it's a process. Mm-hmm. And that might be one of the challenges that we you know, face regularly, particularly with observation, and that really hinders in the rest of the process as well. Are there other challenges or pitfalls that, whether you've observed them in your own life or from having, you know, helped teach this to everybody from high schoolers to probably some adults as well, that you see in each of these steps along the way that, you know, we can maybe be aware of them to either avoid them or as we catch them in our own life, we know we can try to make sure we don't make those same mistakes or pitfalls over and over again? One pitfall that pops into my mind, I guess, that reoccurs is that a lot of times we want to jump to the application to me before we go through the hard work of the observing what the text says and and what it means you know uh particularly in our in the denominational world there is kind of the devotional type of bible study where uh you're going through and you're you're immediately asking the question, what is God saying to me? What's he saying to me? How do, how do I feel? What's the uh, impulse that I receive as I, as I read these words? It it's jumps immediately, and you end up in left field sometimes because what you're, what you're feeling from the text may not have anything to do with what the text says. So uh, I think that's a pitfall. We, we want to get to the application. We want to get to the change of my life, but We've got to do the hard work first of understanding what the text says and understand what it said to the original readers in their context, accurately understand that so that we can make an appropriate jump then to what does it mean to my life? That's a main, a, a major uh, pitfall that, that I see in, uh, in this process. Sure. Absolutely. Are there, other things that, you know, I think with application, we either seem to jump to it or we just avoid it. Mm-hmm. Right? That's kind of the other part of after you do the hard work, we have to apply what we read, right? 
And yes, I guess that would be the other extreme where you just treat it as an academic exercise where you're going through the text and you're observing these, these truths, but without really seeing the, the connection that it makes to, to your life. Um, so we need to, need to avoid just the academic um, fervor of, of spending time, 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 reading, 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 um, background information, and perhaps getting into the Greek or the Hebrew uh, without really seeing the next step in, in where is this leading me? Where is this supposed to lead me? Where does God want me to go with this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. One of the things that, that um, I, I often think about when I'm trying to study objectively is how do I make sure that I'm not, I'm not just reading my own ideas into the text and just looking for a passage that will kind of reaffirm what I already believe rather than being more objective and letting the text to change me rather than me trying to read it. So speak to that a little bit. How, how do you, um, how do you deal with that when you're studying the Bible? That is a a practical problem. And I guess that's a a difference in this inductive method as opposed to a deductive method. The inductive method says, give me all the facts, give me all the data. And from that data, I will draw my conclusion as opposed to more of a deductive where I want to have my, my thesis. I want to say what, uh, the con- I state the conclusion, and then I seek to back up that conclusion. And, and it's uh, a matter of self-discipline, for one, to challenge myself to say I, want, I need to put aside anything that I've already understood and just look at the text in what it says. Um, a lot of times in, in prayers, I try to... Um, I just put myself into the hands of God and say, I'm, I'm here, mold me into what you want me to be. And that's the way I try to approach my biblical study is that's how God is going to mold me. He's going to mold me with revelation of his will, this seed that germinates in my, in my soul. So it's a, it's a disciplined approach to know that danger of reaffirming what I already want to reaffirm <laughs> uh, as opposed to, uh, to really studying and saying, God, what do you, what do you want me to see? Where, what are you telling me here? Yeah. Well, I think that our next question you've, is really something we've already been discussing throughout the whole thing, but just, you know, we hope that this isn't just a podcast that our moms and other preachers are listening to that, that, you know, Christians from all walks of life are tuning in and able to get some encouragement. So maybe it's the middle of June right now we're recording this episode will come out sometime in July and someone had a plan to, you know, read the Bible this year and they've either fallen off that, or they feel like they're kind of still teetering on, you know, I'm, I don't know what I'm seeing from all of this or what's, what's actually coming out of it. So what encouragement or advice would you give to someone who wants to either be more faithful or more diligent in their study and reading of God's word? Well, it's sort of like with, with exercise, uh, you know, Paul told Timothy that bodily exercise is profitable, but 
exercise yourself into godliness. You know, that uh, with bodily exercise, a lot of goals are set in January and they fall by the wayside by the middle of January or certainly by February. Uh, sometimes because uh, people try to become masters, you know, and they spend hours and hours as opposed to just trying to take a little bit every day. You know, in biblical study, um, one of the things I have tried to do is take a little part of my day every day consistently and spend with the Lord as opposed to saying, okay, I'm going to understand the book of Revelation today <laughs> and then tomorrow I'm going to tackle, you know, the book of Ezekiel or something like that. It's, it's a, you're going to burn yourself out. Someone's got right. lofty goals there with that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just a, just regular, consistent, maintained um, biblical study where you're taking a portion of, of meat every day or mixed with some bread too and mm -hmm. um, to, to continue to the process of, of growing. Make, make it... Uh, Make it something that's attainable. Uh, we've, we've all got a lot of things going on in our lives, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's a matter of priority. It's a matter of balance. God's not expecting us to go in a monastery and spend all day chanting and studying our Bibles. It's never really been his, his intent uh, from what I read in, in, in the Bible. It's living day to day in the various things that occupy our time here on this earth. But having a perspective and having a, a priority of, on a regular basis, on a daily basis, spending time focusing in on the Word of God and our relationship with God. I, I think that's attainable, it's, it's reasonable, it's balanced, mm -hmm. and it can be long-term. Mm -hmm. One of the questions we ask all the people we interview is, what does deeper Bible study look like to you? And the reason we ask that is because this is kind of how our podcast began. We were running across this phrase, deeper Bible study, and just never really had a good grasp on, well, we, we know we want to attain that, but what does that look like? And so I'll just toss that question to you. What, what does deeper Bible study look like? Well, I need to listen to more of your podcasts here so I can hear <laughs> what some of the other answers are. I'd be interested in that, uh, hearing what others say. I would have to, my initial idea, my initial thought is, is really, I, I guess the, the tendency might be deeper would mean bringing in more things, more tools, uh, more commentaries, more understanding of the lang biblical language, more research, more extra biblical things, where our deeper Bible study really needs to focus on the, on the text much more. And as, as we started this uh, podcast talking about reading the same text over and over and over again, I think becomes a deeper understanding of the text uh, as opposed to jumping to other books and other resource materials first. I, I remember when I was in college, uh, there were a couple of ladies 
growing up that wore the covering. And I didn't really know much about why they wore the covering. I was familiar with First Corinthians 11, but didn't really study all that much. I went to college and all of a sudden some people, uh, my friends, uh, were ladies were wearing the covering and they deeply believed that. And so for the first time, I really began to scramble. Well, what, what does the text say? What, what, what should I believe about that? Obviously I'm not a woman, so I don't have to wear it, but, uh, you know, I'm interacting with women all the time. What, what, what does the text say? And I started reading these tracts and reading these books and, and reading these commentaries. And I was so confused. I didn't know what to believe about the covering. And I came up with this novel idea. I read the text <laughs> and, and then I read it again. And I read it again and I read it again and I read it again and I started noticing. And again, like I said, I wasn't a good reader. I have to, I have to slow myself down. I have to do more than just read through the words. I have to see what the structure is there to see what the contrasts are and what the, what's the development of the text. And, and I started noticing a lot of uh, very important principles within first Corinthians 11. And I came to some of my own conclusions. So I got deeper when I just read the text. So I, you know, that maybe that's a simplistic answer, but uh, for me, that's, that's where depth comes from. Yeah. Well, to save you the time of listening to previous episodes, <laughs> okay, that, that's, that's been one of the most common answers we've gotten. Is, is that right? Yeah. It's, it's that, you know, sometimes we have this idea that we're going to be very academic in our study in order to get deep. And you can be academic, but very shallow. And uh, I think that's one of the things that I've drawn from these interviews as, as people have given similar answers is deeper Bible study is, is a focus on a God, uh, focus on God and, and what he has to say and, and how that should go deeply into me. So I appreciate it, it. You're right. It's a very simple answer, but it's a profound one. And I think it's, it's uh, the best answer. Well, interesting. That's interesting. Uh, other people think like me. That's uh, <laughs> that's that's scary and uh, encouraging at the same time. <laughs> well, brother Jeff, we have uh, three final questions. Actually, these aren't meant to to catch you off guard, but these are kind of just miscellaneous, rapid fire questions we do here at the end. So, what is your favorite book of the Bible? If you had to pick just one, what's a, a book that you're you might call your favorite you're particularly drawn to wow that's impossible uh but as far as uh my expression of my relationship with god it's the book of psalms mm -hmm. i love the i love the book of psalms they david is able to articulate better than i can the qualities or the understanding of God. And so I like to use his, I like for his words to become mine. <laughs> yeah. So I like Psalms. Who is your favorite Bible character? And we always qualify. You can't say the Lord. You have to pick mm. somebody else. Well, that's, it, that's so varied. That's so uh, yeah. difficult to, uh, to say as well. The apostle Paul is, mm -hmm. uh, is one of my heroes just because his drive to teach the lost is an inspiration to me as well to, uh, to look for those souls that are looking for the truth. Yeah. So 
even though he went through tremendous, tremendous uh, difficulty doing that, much more than I ever have. But he had that, had that hunger and, and the necessity even. He was a debtor to teach others because he had messed up so much himself. Sure. Well, our final question, maybe the most difficult, Buckeyes or Crimson Tide? <laughs> that is probably the most difficult, yes. Uh, born in Ohio, got to go for the Buckeyes, but married a Southern lady from Alabama. It has been Crimson Tide for years. <laughs> so roll tide, I got to say. There you go. Well, you guys but, are on such a good streak. Uh, I, I grew up in Georgia and I've, I'm a Georgia bulldog and and uh, so we've, we've, we've just kind of been under the crimson tide for, I don't know how many years, but <laughs> you guys are on a good streak. <laughs> really, they have had uh, amazing seasons. I don't know how long, much longer they're, they're going to last, but it is, uh, it is fun to watch. Isn't there something about empires rise and fall? Doesn't that sound familiar to us? <laughs> yeah. yeah, from Daniel? Sure. <laughs> Brother Jeff, we appreciate your time once again and all your encouragement and wisdom and helping us think about very practical ways of studying God's word. Again, one thing that I've really enjoyed and I'm still working through your workbook on how to study the Bible, just kind of going bit by bit, but there's lots of just practice and it's not just theoretic things. It's here's a book or here's a chapter and here's some recommendations, things to do, but let's practice that. And I think that that's, we've talked about a lot today and hopefully we will take the things we talked about and use them in our lives. And just again, want to appreciate your work, the work you've been doing for the kingdom. Hope God will continue to bless you and the work that you do. Well, appreciate the opportunity to, to talk to you. It's been great. I want to strongly encourage all of our listeners to check out Brother Jeff's material about how to study the Bible, his workbook from One Stone Biblical Resource. Again, we'll attach information about how to find that in our show notes for today's episode, as well as some other works that he has written, published through One Stone as well, and then a link to the congregation he preaches with currently, the Jordan Park Church. That's jordanpark.org if you want to hear more from Brother Jeff. Emerson, thinking about our discussion today, what's your one thing you took from our uh, conversation with Jeff? I think the one thing that stood out to me the most was hearing him talk about how uh, he overcame some personal obstacles to uh, just reading in general. He talked about how as a, as a younger man, he struggled to read and comprehend well, and yet he worked and he prioritized to overcome that in order to become a better Bible student. And I think that's a really encouraging thing because I think all of us have personal obstacles we have to overcome too. They may not necessarily be the same, um, reading or comprehension, but all of us have some sort of challenge or roadblock that we have to overcome in order to become a better Bible student. And so I think that was just really encouraging, something that I needed to hear, uh, just a reminder to be diligent, to work uh, whatever 
whatever I need to overcome to know God better through his word, that's what we need to do. What about you, Jeff? I really liked him talking about this being a growing relationship. Yes, God could have just given us all this information and programmed us, like you talked about with those baby dolls. Sometimes you can get, maybe mm-hmm. you pull a string. That's kind of old technology now, so maybe more you push a button or something, and it says some phrase like, I love you, or you're my favorite, so something like that. But we're not baby dolls. We're people. And just thinking about the illustration was really helpful for me to see that God wants me to grow and that God has given me this choice to know him through his word. And what a wonderful opportunity I have now. Now, there are people who may squander that and say they don't care to come to know God or really care about any of that at all. But but I think it's a very important relationship. And I imagine that those who tune into our podcast, wherever you are in your spiritual faith or strength, that you agree that it's important to come to know the Lord and grow in the relationship. So I'd be encouraged to to think about that a good motivation for why we study our Bibles. So our listeners, what's your one thing that you took away from this interview with Jeff? What, what was something that stood out to you? Was it something about Bible study or Bible reading that uh, maybe you've heard us talk about before, but you heard it in a different way? Uh, what was one thing that you're going to come away with and say, I need to implement that today from our interview? Thank you for tuning into Working with the Word today. Two things before we close episode 40. First, we want to encourage you to keep sending in your suggestions for our How to Study Difficult Passages episodes we'll be doing in the future. Look for posts on our social media pages or send us uh, direct messages or emails or however you want to contact us to keep giving us ideas for what we can do for that particular series. Second, if you've been enjoying our program, we would love for you to leave an honest rating or review on whatever podcast platform you use to listen to our content. Thank you so much for all your encouragement, for all your prayers, and as always in everything we do, to God be the glory. Until next time, if there are other questions, topics, or books of the Bible you'd like for us to cover in future episodes of Working with the Word, you can find and reach out to us on Facebook and Twitter at Working with the Word, on Instagram at workingwiththeword.podcast, or send us an email to workingwiththewordpodcast at gmail.com. That's all one word, workingwiththewordpodcast at gmail.com. So until next time, may you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Sorry, I'm like, (laughs) I'm having a hard time with my words, it seems like. I'm going to go back. Until next time...